You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, little tiny bit of news and notes, not a whole lot there. And then I want to uh, finally start addressing Kevin's question from a week ago, week and a half ago, something like that. Because if you remember, I told you that I had gotten a question and um, it kind of spun off into multiple questions for me personally, and that turned into a massive project, and um, I have an Excel sheet that is just out of control right now, but really I was just trying to find something that I don't think I found. I'm going to keep digging. I I think if it existed, somebody would have found it by now, but I, I don't care. I'm trying to really find the formula for, you know, good teams Super Bowl teams, etc. And then from here, I would also like to branch out and say, okay, what's a good indication of a team that's coming back next year? So let let me just read the question just so we're on the same page. And it's not going to make a whole lot of sense because what I talk about is only somewhat going (laughs) going to address the question. But I promise I'm going to try to take it head on before this podcast is over. So he says, I agree it's preferable to have an elite quarterback in favor of an elite defense because the window for an elite defense is two to three years tops, whereas an elite quarterback can keep a team competitive for 10 plus seasons. Having said that, how long do you feel the Bears D can perform at their current level? So the question is, how long can the Bears D perform at their current level? Pretty straightforward question. Could have spent an entire day, maybe two days trying to break that one down. Instead, I started focusing on the question between quarterback and defense in terms of a philosophy for a team you're starting from scratch right you you you're the jaguars in what was it 98 i don't know and you you don't have any players you got nothing you got to start building this team what what's the focus i know everybody still today is going to say quarterback because even teams today as much as defenses are proving to be pivotal um quarterback is the most important thing but is it really when it comes to if you want to win a championship? Do you need a defense? Is it even prudent to try to build a team based on defense if you can only hold on to a defense for two or so years? I'll be honest, I have not fully concluded, but I have to start unraveling this because from there what I did is I started saying, okay, let's look at previous Super Bowl winners. Well, l- let me finish what I had done the, the, the first thing around. So what I did is I charted going from 2006 to 2018 i wanted to know top 5 defenses top 5 quarterbacks so it's two separate pages on an excel sheet here and i went back and charted so 2006 there's going to be five x's here 
Those five X's represent the top five defenses, and then there's a little green patch on there, a little highlighted cell for who won the Super Bowl. I did that from 2006 to 2018. What I was looking for is twofold. Um, number one, I'm looking for streaks. I want to know how many defenses, when they were elite, were able to do it again next year, and then beyond replicating that, how long, how, how many teams were able to do that through multiple times. Beyond that, I wanted to get an idea of how many teams actually have had elite defenses compared to have never had it, and then I want to look at what is the correlation between top five defense and a Super Bowl championship. How pivotal is that? So that was the first thing I did. I did that for the defense, and I also did that for quarterback to track that. But then I wanted to go back, and I wanted to look at Super Bowl champions. So technically, I went from 2018 to 1998, just because, I don't know, I just did. But part of the equation for me was quarterbacks. I wanted to know, and this isn't just tracking top five. I I just want to know the numbers. What are the numbers? So I looked at points for, how many points did you score, like your ranking in terms of points, Uh, yards, what was your ranking in offensive yards, Uh, points against, so your, your defensive points against, and then yards against. But I also wanted to look at your quarterback. How was your quarterback ranked that year? Was he the number one quarterback, number 10 quarterback, number 30 quarterback? And I was just looking for a correlation. Were you top in this? Were you top in this? Has there ever been a team to win this, that, or that? So then it kind of got me to the point where it's like, okay, well, there's certain, I don't know if I'd call it patterns, but there's at, at the very least, there's certain things you have to have. With, with very few outliers, there are certain things that just need to be in place before you win a Super Bowl because nobody has done it outside of that. Why did I do that? Well, first of all, to understand my initial question, but also, hey, why don't we take that information and apply it to the teams we currently have in the playoffs and see where they stand? So that's what I want to do tomorrow because the playoffs start tomorrow, so we need to start there. But essentially then I took that same information, offensive uh, scoring, offensive yards, defensive scoring, defensive yards, and then where is your quarterback ranked? I did that for all the teams in the playoffs, and then I um, essentially compared them to past Super Bowl winners. So I'm going to have Super Bowl comparison or Super Bowl champion comparisons. And if you don't get a comparison, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I'm doing my best to kind of stretch reality as best as I can. So, anyways, that's just to give you a little bit of an overview of what I've been doing. But what I want to talk about here is the uh, the just the general information because again I don't really have a summary for you because I haven't been able to really wrap my head fully around it but I just want to give you some information just so you have it and then I want to tackle um, the question directly about the Chicago Bears and um, kind of take a look at what the odds are and I, I don't have exact odds but just to give some perspective because I think we just kind of assume and I don't know why we do this. We should have learned by now, especially in recent years with the amount of parity that there's been. But we always seem to assume this year will be next year, right? And the only differences will be the differences that are visible. Everything else stays exactly the same. In other words, if you have a new head coach, things might change. If you have a new quarterback, things might change for the better. Otherwise, you're still terrible. But we've seen drastic changes in teams that really haven't changed very much. Or, you know, you look at the Falcons. What's different about the Falcons? I don't know. they got a new offensive coordinator. So what? They still have this elite team. What does that have to do with any? Well, their defense is trash. Their offense is trash. Everything's trash. They didn't even make the playoffs. They can't do anything. I mean, look at the Packers. Same coach. Same everything. I mean, they got rid of the deadweight defensive coordinator, got a new one. Their defense did improve as expected. 
what happened to the team? Did, did Aaron Rodgers get hurt? I mean, like, so he can't play? No. What is going on? I don't, I don't know. Just not good at football this year, I guess. I don't know. Stuff happens. But anyways, before we get into all that goodness, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you would uh, like to support the podcast, there's also a link in the description to a one-time donation. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. There is a Facebook group. should be sure to get in there. It's uh, Packernet Podcast is the name of it, so it should be relatively easy to find. NFLBigBoard.com if you'd like to start getting your draft on. Be sure to check it out. I've uh, started working on the update. I've got quite a few of the boards updated. Um, for those that don't know what that means, it is a gigantic aggregator. So I just manually input... I mean, I've got a system that kind of speeds it up because if you, I mean, go try it. Try to manually input the information and average it out. I promise you, you're going to give up after like a day. There's, you, you won't, you won't get your first board up, but it's still a lot of work, but I've gotten several of the boards inputted, uh, updated and, um, got to work my way through that list. And then hopefully by today, if not, hopefully tomorrow, although weekends are never as productive as they should be. So I'm not going to promise anything. But we'll, we'll just say hopefully today or tomorrow we're going to have that board updated, and uh, that'll help us with our mock drafts and whatnot to have the most recent and updated information that you can possibly have about where draft prospects are and are not. Uh, Pack Daddy NFL is the YouTube channel if you want to check that out. As I've been saying pretty much every day, I'm hoping to get a video up. Um, I never seem to find the time to do it. But uh, again, hopefully this weekend. But all right, I think that's good enough. Oh, wait, hold on one more thing. If you yourself have a question, 608-501-0718, text or call, leave me a message, shoot me a text, whatever you want to do, 608-501-0718. Make sure you differentiate between the O's and the zeros. I don't want you calling the wrong number now. But all right, first things first, a little bit of news. So Pat Fitzgerald is not going to be interviewing for the job. Um, I kind of expected that to be the case. If you look into Pat Fitzgerald and, you know, just just his backstory, it seemed impossible. Um, The guy grew up in Illinois, gigantic, you know, Bears fan, went to Northwestern, school in Illinois, played football there, was an absolute legend. Basically, the, the the school was good like twice in its history, once when he played there and now when he's coaching there. So he's like in the Hall of Fame as a linebacker. Now he's the head coach. I mean, he, he's reached the pinnacle, right? He's, he's making millions of dollars to coach the team that he loves, to live in the state that he loves, to represent everything that he ever wanted. And for him to throw that away is just kind of ridiculous. And to be completely honest, I was kind of worried about the idea that we're just going to offer him more money. He's making, what, $3 million bucks a year? If we offer him something crazy, say McCarthy money, $8, $9 million, whatever. I don't like that. Because I don't like the idea of taking somebody away from something they love and bringing them here just because you put them in a position that they just can't say no. That's cause for resentment. right? If you have a job that you love... And let's say I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what's comfortable for you. Probably depends what part of the country you live in. But let's just say you're making like $150,000 a year. For most people that's pretty comfortable. If you live in LA, maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. You shouldn't be living there anyways. I don't feel bad for you. But you're making 150,000 and let's say you you have my job, right? You just talk about the Packers all day and you watch football film all day long and it's just you just everything is awesome. Your life is awesome. And somebody says, "I've got a, a 
a factory job for you. I'd like you to, um, I used to have this job where, I don't, I don't know, I'm not going to go into super great depth, but basically you just throw this little plastic sheet over a little cutter, you pass it through a machine which presses it down and cuts it, and then the other person has to pull it off and put it on a sheet, and then you load another one up and you send it back, and then it comes back, and you pull it off and put it on the pile, and then you take a sheet and you put it back on, you pass it back, and you do that all day long, right? Not the greatest job in the world. The only benefit of it is you get like four breaks because it's such a horrible, monotonous job. You kind of just need that. But here's the catch. We're going to pay you $5 million a year. It's one of those things where it's like, I I mean, I can't say no to $5 million a year. I mean, I could retire. I could do it for like two, three years. But here's the problem. I'm going to hate that job. I'm going to resent that job. I'm not going to want to be at that job. I'm going to just put my head down and say, I don't know. I just need to get through this. I want to get this over with. I don't want Pat Fitzgerald to come here and be that guy. To to play for a team that he's always hated, right? Huge Bears fan. Grew up, I mean, it would be like you working for the Bears. Like, your job is to beat the Packers twice a year. Like, okay. And you have to move to... Illinois, which is a horrible state, no offense to people that live there, I used to live there, I fled as soon as I could, and it was the right decision, and you know it's true. You go ahead and buy a house and see how that works out for you. Not a good investment, let me just put it that way. But it's just, you know, the point is, it's just, I don't want to do that to somebody. I want somebody to want to come here. In other words, you open up the door and you say, who wants to be a head coach? And you see who runs in. I don't want to see somebody go, no, I really love what I'm doing here. And then you grab them by the neck and say, just get over here talk to me. Like, come on, man. I'll give you millions. I'll give you the world. And then they get in and they have to work. And the job that they do, they don't like. And all they're thinking about is how they want to go back and they used to have it better over there. That's not what I want. Find somebody that wants to be in Green Bay. Somebody that's actually a fit in a small town loves it. Like, I can't wait to get away from the city. It's the hustle and bustle. I can't take it. The traffic drives me nuts. I, I you know, I just I just want to go somewhere where I can be at peace and I can just work hard and, and, I you know, I love the Packers and I'm not afraid of the cold and blah, 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 blah. Like, cool, man. All right. Now we can do an interview. So, anyways, that's my thought on Fitzgerald. He's not coming. Kind of saw it coming. And I was actually kind of worried that we were going to offer him a lot. And he was going to say, fine, I'll do it. I don't want that. Other bit of news, I haven't delved too much into it, but I just saw it on Twitter quickly. There was a little blurb from Mercedes Lewis about uh, a moment that he saw from Aaron Rodgers where Mike McCarthy called in a play. Aaron Rodgers says, nope, not going with that play. And then he breaks the huddle and uh, throws a 40-yard completion. And I was kind of blown away by the comments, and maybe it was just a small sample size, but everybody was outraged at Aaron Rodgers and shocked at Aaron Rodgers. First of all, how did you not know that was a thing? People have been saying this forever. Now, granted, whenever James Jones says it or or Greg Jennings says it or whoever, it's like, oh, they're a liar. He's lying. Come on, man. He's not lying. Why you got to be like that? But again, if you thought he was lying, guess who's wrong? You were told you. But what I, the other thing I don't get is, who cares? Why is that even a bad thing? Like, first of all, what do you think an audible is? I know an audible is a little bit different than just saying, no, we're not doing that play. We're doing a different play. But it's giving the quarterback control over the situation. You didn't know that was a thing? Come on, man. Beyond that, how are you met? This is great news, right? It, it's, it's, 
we knew that this dysfunction was here. The fact that a lot of people didn't, I, I can't help you. Just, you know, pay attention a little more, I guess. But the question I have is, who's the problem? Well, you got Mike calling a play. Roger's rolling his eyes going, that's a dumb play. Call something else, and there's a 40-yard completion. Sounds to me like McCarthy maybe did have a bad play, and Rodgers really did have a good play because of whatever. Now, it's a small sample size. Perhaps things didn't always go that way. And a lot of times, like on those third and two, McCarthy called a good play, and Rodgers like, nope, I'll go. Going deep. I don't know. But I'm just saying, with this situation, this is great news. Right? McCarthy is doing stuff, and Rodgers is thinking, that's dumb. And believe it or not, I don't know if you were watching football this year, but I saw a lot of not good plays being called. So Rogers rolling his eyes and saying, no, we're not doing that, and then doing something else, and then it works, is not bad news. That's good news. So, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't even know why that's a big deal. I mean, it, it's an interesting tidbit. It's kind of like, oh, that's, you know, kind of like a peek behind the curtain kind of situation. But you kind of knew that was happening. You knew there was a rift. It's just Mercedes called out. Or he didn't even call anybody out. He just described an incident in which things weren't really working, which is good again because the question I have in the back of my mind is, can this be fixed? Will this be fixed? And the more you can point to the fact that McCarthy and Rogers were the problem, right? They, they weren't working together. And if we can just separate them and start over, everything's fixed, right? Again, give me as overly simplistic an explanation of why things didn't work, and I'll be happy. The more complicated you make it, the harder it is to fix. If you can pinpoint one thing and say it was McCarthy, and by removing McCarthy and bringing in a new, fresh voice who's better at play calling, blah, 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 everything's fixed? Great. Give me the oversimplified version. This thing from Mercedes Lewis is basically giving me an excuse to oversimplify things. That makes me happy. I don't know why you're not happy by that. Oh, we overpaid a big crybaby. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, the guy calls his own plays, and he called a play, and it was a good play, and they got 40 yards out of it. And I'm sure you were cheering at the time, but now you're mad because Rodgers called the play, and you wanted McCarthy to call the play, the guy that you've probably been trashing all year for being a terrible play caller. Is that your final answer, sir? Thank you for playing. Never come back. No points this round or ever. Um, but otherwise, that's about it. There's some little tidbits here and there. Uh, definitely seems like Josh McDaniels is the front runner at this point. We'll see. Josh McDaniels has also expressed interest in the Browns job. I thought it was weird that people were saying there's no other jobs available. I went and did a just a cursory Google search, and there was a big thing about how the Browns um, owner, or I think it was the owner, really, really liked McDaniels, and they were going to reach out to him. Apparently they did, and McDaniels was like, yeah, I'd love to talk to them about that job. So... There's that, but whatever. As things develop, we'll see how they go. So I want to, let's let's just get into this now. And I, I'm trying to think the best way to even articulate what I'm looking at right now. But let's just, uh, just kind of dive in, I guess. So, again, this is from 2006 to current year 2018. I guess the first thing to ask is how many teams in that span have never had a top five defense or quarterback? Now, the one thing that definitely stands out is that defense is a much smaller number than quarterback because finding the right quarterback is the hardest thing to find. So I guess maybe one way to articulate articulate this is it's harder to find or build a quarterback than a defense, 
But once you find that quarterback, you got your quarterback. But the current list of um, teams that have never had a top five defense from 2006 to 2018 are the Browns, Colts, Packers, Raiders, Saints, and Redskins. Never in that stretch have had a top five defense. Here is the list of teams that have never had a top five quarterback. The Bears, the Bills, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions, the Rams, the Ravens, the Redskins, the Texans, the Titans, the Eagles. That's 13 teams. That's basically half the NFL. Now, what else can we glean from these teams that have never had a top five uh, quarterback or defense? So, first of all, looking at defenses, there are, in this span here, there are three Super Bowl wins. Three wins by three separate teams. I think far more interesting than that, if you look at the defenses, that the, or the quarterbacks, the teams that have never had a top five quarterback, only two of them have won a Super Bowl. That is the 2012 Rams and the 2017 Eagles. And um, the Eagles were actually pretty close, and that's kind of a weird dynamic there where Carson Wentz was sixth before he got hurt. Foles was not good, but he was absolutely elite the last two games. So it's kind of a weird little thing there. Sorry, not Rams, Ravens. I was throwing me off. I'm like, the Rams, they didn't win a Super Bowl. My eyes jumped jumped up a line there. So the Joe Flacco year... And then uh, the the weird year with Wentz and then Foles. Now, the reason that this is even more interesting, even though you look at it and say, okay, well, two and three is not that big of a number. Well, the the quarterback thing is a much bigger, it's a much bigger range because we're talking about 2006 to 2018. That's 13 years times 13 teams. That's 169 cells. 169, you know, essentially 169 different teams. Two of those 169 teams have never won or, or, or won a Super Bowl. So we can look at that and say the teams that have never had a, you know, only 1.2% of teams without a top five quarterback in the last 13 years have won a Super Bowl. If we're looking at defenses, we're looking at 13 years, but we're only looking at six different teams, which essentially is 78 teams. So of 78 teams, three of them won Super Bowls. That's 3.8%. So it's not none of those are super high percentages. But clearly, the, the teams that have never had top five quarterbacks are struggling more than the teams that have not had top five defenses. So continuing on with what I've found, the, the highest number of top five defenses in the NFL um, through 13 years is six. So the Seahawks, the Ravens, and the Patriots have had six. The Vikings have had five. Broncos, 49ers, Jets, uh, 40, Broncos and 49ers, four, and then Jets, Chiefs, Bears, and Eagles have had three in that span. For quarterbacks, only seven teams have had three or more, but the number of years is much higher. So the Falcons have had four years, the Chargers have had five, the Steelers have had five, the Colts have had seven, Packers have had seven, Patriots have had nine, and the Saints have had 11 because Drew Brees is an underrated freak. And by the way, I don't know if we're going to get to this, but for the record, for Drew Brees, of his 13 years, because again, this is over 13 years, 11 of those 13 years, the two years he wasn't top five, he was sixth. So if you do top six, it's been 13 years out of 13 years that Drew Brees has been top six. Brady and Rodgers have not done that. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So again, you have a situation where if you look at it, it's just a more even distribution with defense, right? You've, you've got um, 
what is it, six teams that have never had a top defense. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams that have had one, one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have had two top five defenses, one, two, three, four teams that have only had three, two that have four, one that had five, three that had six. Again, quarterbacks, 13 have never had it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven have only had one. One, two, three, four, five have had two. And then from there, it just kind of explodes. Four, two have had five, two have had seven, one has nine, one has 11. So again, teams that have had either just one and done, 20. 20 teams have had just once, once or less. Teams that have in that year had two and done, 25 of the 32 teams have had just like either a blip of two years, you know, one here, one there, maybe a two-year streak, and then nothing. 25 teams have had that or none. From there, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only seven teams have had something better than that. And I can say the team names, and you know why, because you know the quarterbacks. Because again, it's hard to find that guy, but when you have that guy, you've got what you got. So the Falcons, why? Matt Ryan. And I also started to chart within the last five years of, you know, okay, so the years they weren't top five, what were they? Just kind of color-coded it, so I don't know the exact years. But he had a uh, top five, a not top five, a top five, a top five. The one year in between his four-year, what would have been a four-year streak, he was top ten. little green mark means top ten. So top five, top ten, top five, top five. It was a four-year stretch. 2018, he is not in that he fell off. The Chargers, why? Phillip Rivers. That's why. The Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger. The Colts, well, kind of Andrew Luck, but mostly that's that's Manning. So the Colts have, have, have kind of struck lightning twice, similar to what the Packers did. That's pretty impressive. The Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Patriots with Tom Brady, and the, the Saints with Drew Brees. So this is sort of the elusive thing. But again, once you get it, you have it for a long time. And the fact of the matter is, if you look at it, they're, they're relatively similar. So let's, let's look at the numbers now of, of three or more and kind of analyze the Super Bowls within. So six of the 13 Super Bowls were by teams that have had a top five quarterback for three or more years. And again, this is a much smaller sample size than what you'll find with defense because very few teams have ever had this. So there's seven teams. So seven times 13 is 91. We're talking about 91 different teams. Right, assuming 2017 Packers and 2018 Packers are calling different teams, we're talking 91 different teams. That's 6.6% of the Super Bowls have been won by teams with teams that have had quarterbacks that are in the top five for more, more than three times, or three or more times. Looking at defense, there's 10 teams that have had three or more, also six Super Bowl wins, but again, we're talking about 130 teams this time. So the percentage is 4.6%. So it definitely seems like quarterback is a bigger factor, right? It's going to hurt you more as a team if you don't have those quarterbacks than if you don't have a defense. It's it's harder to find a quarterback, but it's harder to retain a defense. So let's look at one other thing before we look at actual wins, because that's kind of what everybody's interested in anyways. But let's look at streaks. So obviously you have to have a minimum of two to even form a streak. But for example, you got the uh, the Bengals, 2012 and 2013, and then they fell off. Those are their only two years. They're next to each other. I guess we can call that a streak. But again, it only lasted two years, and it ended. The Chargers uh, had two, and they're separated by what looks to be about 10 years. The Dolphins had two, separated by five years. Jaguars had two, very separate from each other. Steelers had two that weren't in a row. 
The next streak we come to would be the Eagles, and that was in um, 2017 and 2018. The first time we see a streak of three years in a row is the San Francisco 49ers, 2011, 2012, and 2013. After that, we have the, um, the Denver Broncos, 2014, 15, 16. The Patriots, 2014, 15, and 16. The only teams that have been able to maintain a top five defense for four years in a row are the Ravens and the Seahawks. The Baltimore Ravens from 2008 to, what would it be, 8, 9, 10, 11, and then the Seattle Seahawks, 2011, 12, 13, and 14. So yeah, Kevin was, was pretty close. Two, three years tops. The, the most I've seen going back to 2006 is four years. Four years of an elite defense. We, we've seen from Tom Brady and from Aaron Rodgers and from, uh, from Drew Brees streaks that can last 10 years. You know, six years in a row, seven years in a row. These things aren't uncommon. So that's just sort of giving you the, the numbers of, of something that you probably already knew, but this is just actual information. So a defense, and, and it makes sense. How can you maintain a defense? Because there's so much turnover. There's also a, not just turnover, but the quality of play. If you have, you know, a third of your team regressing and, you know, a quarter of your team progressing and a bunch of these guys stagnate, I mean, it's just, it's so much volatility. Then you factor in the turnover and, and different defensive coordinators and how that impacts things. And position coaches impact it more because you've got your linebacker coach, your safety coach, your DB coach, your, your, your defensive line coach. There's just so much volatility, it's hard to really hang on to it. But what about actual Super Bowl wins? So let's, let's forget about because, you know, the fact that you have had two years of, of great quarterback play and then won a Super Bowl in a year that you didn't have that, who cares? How many teams won a Super Bowl with a top five quarterback or a top five defense? I want to know this year, today, if I have one year and I can either have a top five defense or a top five quarterback, what do I want? Six of the last 13 Super Bowls have been won by top five defenses. Seven of the last 13 Super Bowls have been won by top five quarterbacks. So somewhat even, and it's kind of a either or. It really is. I mean, that's why those are the two most important things. Now, defense has been the most important recently, right? 2017, the Eagles were top five defense. 2016, the uh, Patriots, top five defense. 2015, the uh, Broncos, top five defense. 2014, the Patriots, top five defense. 2013, the Seahawks, top five defense. So we're talking the last five years in a row. So maybe there's a, a, a change going on. I don't know. Maybe defense is becoming more important. Maybe it's just some kind of a trend. Maybe it's a fluke. I'm not really sure. But in that same span, you still had three of those winners with top five quarterbacks. 2013 Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson was top five. The 2014 uh, New England Patriots, Tom Brady was top five. The 2016 New England Patriots, Tom Brady was top five. And again, the Eagles, essentially you could call that top five. So the only real outlier here would be the Broncos uh, with... um, with Peyton Manning, who was just absolutely abysmal. Here's another question I want to consider, though. And this is, this, is, this is a little more illuminating for a lot of people. Looking just at points for, points against, and quarterback. And I'm looking at just top five. Top five is not easy to get. So you're either top five in scoring, top five in points against, meaning, you know, points allowed, and top five in quarterback. How many teams were not in one of those categories and won a Super Bowl? Eagles, top five in points for and against. Patriots, four against and quarterback. Broncos, points against. Patriots, four and quarterback. Seahawks, number one against. 
and then 7th and 8th, but still, defense. Basically, we can go all the way back, and the only teams that weren't in those categories were the 2013 Ravens and the 2008 Giants. We could also maybe go back to the 2002 Patriots, but I don't have the quarterback information, and there were 6th and points against and 6th and points for. Otherwise, it's pretty clear. You're either top 5 in points for, top 5 in points against, or you have a top 5 quarterback. Otherwise, you have some kind of a flukish thing with the Ravens where Ray Lewis says, I'm retiring, and the defense plays out of their mind. I mean, there's no question that was the number one defense in the postseason. So they played like a number one defense, and that's how they won the Super Bowl. 2008 Giants? I don't know. I know they got better as as the season rolled on. That's something else to pay attention to, but there's, there's no question. Points and quarterbacks are the most important thing. Either you score a lot of points, you don't allow a lot of points, or you have an elite quarterback. Yards are much more irrelevant. The fact that we still talk about yards as though that's like an indication of, of how good an offense is, is silly. Why do yards matter? What, what, why do people think yards matter? Obviously, points are what we're playing for here. That's how you win the game. You know, it's not the most yards wins the game. It's the most points wins the game. So it would make sense, score more points, prevent more points, and um, you win more games. But anyways, I took this all the way back to 1998. The Broncos, the Broncos, and the Rams, the Ravens, the 2013, because again, the Patriots, I don't know, 2013 Bucks, 2004 Patriots, 2005 Patriots, 2006 Steelers, 2007 Colts, 2009 Steelers, Saints, Packers, Giants, Seahawks, Patriots, Broncos, Patriots, Eagles, all were top five in at least one of those categories. So again, we're going to get more into looking at these teams tomorrow, but just giving you that information, the teams that currently don't fit that criteria, the Dallas Cowboys... And again, Cowboys are ascending, but they don't have, they have their points for is ranked 22nd, points against is 6th, and Dak Prescott is ranked 19th. The Seahawks, uh, points for is 6th, so they're close, points against is 11th, and Russell Wilson is 7th. The Chargers, points for 6th, points against 8th, and Philip. well, never mind, I'm sorry, Rivers is top 5, I lied. The Eagles, 18th, 12th, and 20th, and 20th would be Nick Foles, not Carson Wentz. So those teams currently don't fit the criteria. The Patriots used to be outside of that, but they must have had a really good game in their last week because they're currently inside of it. So that's just sort of an overview of the information that I gathered. It's just it's just X's and check marks, etc., etc. Because I just wanted to visualize it. I wanted to be able to see it because we all say these things. You know, defense wins championships and, you know, you, you can't maintain a defense and, and whatever. These are the actual numbers. The four-year streak is the most we've seen on defense. I think that the easiest way to win a Super Bowl is to find the guy. Even though it's it's harder to find a guy than to build a defense, it's still easier as a franchise if you find that guy, because then you're kind of set. <laughs> I mean, you can you can try your best to win a de- or build a defense. If you manage to get that defense into the top five, you're almost guaranteed a Super Bowl. But looking Specifically at the Bears now, I, I want to look at one more thing in our, our defensive chart just to kind of illustrate something. So let's look at 2016, the top five teams, and uh, top five defenses, the Arizona Cardinals, the Houston Texans, the Denver Broncos, the New England Patriots, and the Baltimore Ravens. Take a guess how many of those teams were top five last year in 2017. I'll wait. The answer is zero. Not one of those teams was top five the next year. Let's look at 2017 going into 2018. The teams that were top five, the Atlanta Falcons, 
the uh, Chargers, the Jaguars, the Eagles, and the Vikings. How many of those do you think were top five the next year? The answer is zero. Zero of those teams. We have not had a team be top five two years in a row since the Patriots, and they went on a three-year winning streak. Actually, it was the, the uh, what is this, the Broncos and the Patriots both went a, had a three-year streak from 2014, 15, and 16. Before that, you could add in the Seahawks as they were on their four-year streak. Most teams do not get in the top five two years in a row. Now, that isn't to say they're bad, but again, I did some additional color coding. And, you know, green is top 10, yellow is between uh, 11 and, what, 21, and then 22 to 32 is, we're calling it bottom 10, even though I think it's 11, whatever. But looking at 2013, you had the, uh, let's see, the Buffalo Bills, um, who were a top five defense that fell into the top 10. You had the Seattle Seahawks, who were also top five. The other three teams all fell outside of the top 10. 2014 was a pretty good year because you had a lot of these streaks going on. This this is where the Seahawks, the Broncos, and the Patriots all overlapped. So those three teams all duplicated. Then you had the Vikings go from top 5 to top 10, and uh, it was only the Lions that fell from top 5 out of the top uh, 10. So I I, I guess I'm not going to go through all these, but just to give you an idea, teams falling out of top 5 is almost expected. It's the norm. You know what? Actually, I lied. Because I changed one of these things. The Eagles fell into the top five. So they, they are duplicating from 2017 to 2018. So in the last two years, one team has repeated. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. This year, the, the top five are the um, Rams, Texans, Eagles, Bears, and Patriots. And, and for the record, when I say top five, I'm talking about uh, looking at pro football focus, not at points and yards. So I switched it up for this exercise just to kind of, I don't know for whatever reason. But just just again to kind of get you into the mindset that you can't assume 2018 is 2019, right? We all thought that the Vikings defense was going to be elite this year. They were not. They're ninth in points. Last year they were number one. And they're fourth in yards, but they went from number one in points to number one in yards to number nine in points, number four in yards. They, they fell off a bit. And why? What happened? Their, their coach is still Mike Zimmer. Their defensive coordinator is still George Edwards. They actually added talent on the defense. Why did they get worse? I have no idea. Guys just didn't play as well. You know, they, they, they were thought to have had one of the most dominant defensive lines in the NFL. Well, if you look at their defense as a whole, the only guy who had an elite grade was, was Anthony Harris, the safety. Harrison Smith was, was, I guess we could barely call him very good. He, he's not even in the 80s. Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback, good. Daniil Hunter, good. Linval Joseph, good. Sheldon Richardson, guy, you know, guy they brought in to be a freak. He was graded as good. Anthony Barr, good. Holton Hill, good. Where's Everson Griffin? He's down here in average land. Sandejo, average. Trey Waynes, average. Iloka, average. Jaron Curse, average. Why? What? It's the same guys. It just happens, right? everybody kind of fluctuates. Guys get better, guys get worse, and sometimes, you know, things kind of come together where everybody seems to be getting better at the same time, and then you got guys kind of regressing. The other thing that was interesting when I looked at some of the um, the Vikings players in particular, 
some of it was kind of expected because you had several people who were playing their best year last year and you have to expect regression like if if you're if we're talking about grades and we say okay you're 70 80 80 70 70 you know 80 70 and then all of a sudden you're a 95 i mean that's cool but i would guess next year you're not going to be a 96 like this isn't just growth this was just a a a boom year you're going to regress back to what you are and what you are is is like a 75 80ish guy and you know what happened those guys all went back all at the same time right there was a big high and then a crash the bears defense is filled with elite studs can they maintain this for the rest of their career eddie jackson is uh he's one of the best safeties in the nfl right now if not the best couple of things to note his rookie season he was average his tackling grade is terrible his pass rush and run defense are good his coverage is what's considered elite but even in coverage again this is an average if you look at his first elite game was week three against the arizona cardinals against the green bay packers his grade was bad seattle was average tampa bay was average miami was bad new england was terrible the jets was average and then elite again against buffalo now everybody's grades look this way but the the amount of massive inconsistency with him is is pretty incredible to go from elite to terrible from one game to the next can you really buy into this guy maintaining this level of awesome forever like is is this it like we're we're going to have to deal with Eddie Jackson being the best safety in the NFL for the next i don't know 5 6 years i would doubt it to be this good good yeah sure this good no and let's not forget Last year, Adrian Amos was a safety they had. He was the number one safety in the NFL. This year, he was, he was very good, according to his grade, but he regressed to very good. You know why? Because in his rookie year, he was average. In 2016, he was good. 2017, he jumps up to elite. 2018, he regresses back to very good. Now, he still seems to have figured it out because the last two years, you know, after his first two years, he's been incredible. But again, there's that massive spike, and then it kind of like comes down a little bit. That it's 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 nearly impossible to maintain elite seasons. I mean, there are very few people that do it in the NFL, and we identify them as absolute freaks of nature. Khalil Mack is one of those guys. He's been elite almost every one every year he's been in the NFL, and he will be as long as he's a Chicago Bear. And we got to deal with that. But that doesn't mean you're going to have an elite defense. It doesn't. There's there's a lot of very very good edge rushers out there that are on just garbage teams, garbage defenses. The question is, the defense as a whole, how is it going to perform? Because if all you've got is Khalil Mack and a couple other decent pieces, you drop from number one to number six, seven, eight, nine, ten really quick. Eddie Goldman, fantastic year and actually very consistent. However, look at his first three years. He was good, good, average, elite. Are we saying he just figured it out to that level? Or do we think maybe he's going to drop back into the 70s from the 90s? And by the way, his highest grade before this was 75.9. Even if, again, like Amos, he kind of figured it out. Okay, fine, so he's going to regress back to 80. Point is, we're seeing the same thing that we saw with the Vikings, where there's there's a trend of like, okay, he's decent, and then boom, freak show. I don't know that Eddie Goldman is the kind of guy that's going to be elite every year. I just don't think he's that guy. Look at Sherrick McManus. What in the world is this guy? So his rookie year, and granted, somewhat limited sample sizes but his rookie year he was graded as elite kind of crazy right then he was abysmal 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 2017 good 2018 
borderline elite. Very, very good. There's no doubt in my mind this guy is regressing. He had a four-year stretch of being one of the worst corners in the NFL. Maybe he's kind of figured it out. Maybe he's a little bit better. But this guy's not going to be elite for the remainder of his career. He just can't pull that off. And, and, and with a lot of these guys, too, like, okay, Khalil Mack, fine. But these are the kind of physical freaks that can pull that off. We're not, not Don't give me this Sherrick McManus fifth-round pick type guy. With limited athleticism comes limited ability. You can't maintain this because you're not physically capable of it. Look at Kyle Fuller, another cornerback. Is he good? Sure. Can he? Man- maybe he can even maintain this. He, he was just in the very good category, but barely. And it's been a slow progression, but how much higher is he going to go? Is he going to level off? Is he going to regress a little bit? I don't know. I've mentioned Prince of Mukamura before. We know him. He's been average for his entire career, and he spiked. And again, I've been giving all this credit to Vic Fangio. Let's not forget the 400-pound elephant in the room. Vic Fangio's probably gone. How many people on this team are elite players, hands down? Khalil Mack is. Kyle Fuller is probably good. Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson, I think, are going to be good. They're going to have two good safeties. Kyle Fuller, I think, is going to be pretty good. So the, the, the coverage and the defensive backs, I think, are going to remain good, and they have Khalil Mack. I think Akeem Hicks regresses. I think Eddie Goldman regresses. I think Sherrick McManus regresses. I think Bryce Callahan, the other cornerback, regresses. Maybe a guy like Roquan Smith really really steps it up. Um, again, I wasn't never really a big fan of him to begin with, but he graded out his average for the season. I would expect him to kind of jump up a little bit. Beyond all that, um, you know, the other thing that goes into growing or receiving, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. I think just based on talent level that they have, I think these guys are going to regress. Some are going to get better, but again, a lot of this is overinflated. You have multiple people playing the best years of their career. Guys that are fourth-round picks that are playing unsustainably good. But outside of that, the question is, are you going to be adding to the talent, or are they going, because guys are going to leave. Guys are getting older. The only way you displace some of that loss is to bring in more people through the draft or through free agency. Now, here's the problem with the Bears and their ability to do that. As far as free agency goes, they've got about $20 million in cap space. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to be cutting people. I've mentioned some people in the past um, that could potentially be let go for the sake of saving up some money. But of that $20 million, you figure, well, maybe not quite, but let, let's just call it $5 million is going to go toward uh, signing their, their, um, their draft picks, even though I think it's going to be substantially less than that. So they got maybe $15 million to play with, and then of that money that they spend, how much of that is going to go on defense? I'd be willing to bet pretty close to zero. Defense isn't their concern, offense is their concern. Same goes with the draft, but here comes an additional problem. The Bears only have four picks in the draft. Their first pick is pick 91 as of right now, depending on how far they go into the playoffs. That's the third round. They have a third, fourth, fifth, and a seventh. Their ability to add talent to this team is almost zero. Granted, they've done a good job picking up guys, right? Eddie Jackson was a fourth. Several of those people I listed were not first, right? I mean, they've been drafting relatively well. That's a good way to get to where you are. But based on the trends that we talked about, of about most, if not all, the defenses not re- repeating, not being top five again, looking at the Bears and the fact that they could very well be losing Vic Fangio, at least I hope they do. Hasn't been a whole lot of news about him getting interviews and whatnot. Look at the fact that they don't have any ability to replace 
any of the loss. Look at the fact that it's, you know, a lot of the talent we're seeing is, is bound to regress. We, we, it's, it's a bubble about to burst. I've talked about the, how impressed I am. Thank you very much, Mr. Dance Party. How impressed I am with Vic Fangio that these guys get better every single year. The problem is you can't sustain that. You can't do that four, five, six, seven years in a row. At some point, you've capped out. And at some point, you're playing beyond your abilities. It just is what it is. Whether it's age or whatever it is, there there is and will be regression. Especially, again, when we're talking about fourth and fifth round guys that are playing at an elite level. You're not Khalil Mack. You're not going to do that two, three, four, five years in a row. It just doesn't happen. Sorry. So, anyways, I got around to answering it at the end. Um, but I'm not saying they're going to be a bad defense. I, I If I had to guess, they'd be a top 10 defense next year, similar to what happened to the Vikings. But, you know, again, the, the issue with them is their offense is really, really bad. And they don't even have what it's going to take to build up their offense without free agency, without draft capital. It's going to be difficult for them to add to the offense. So with a defense that is not going to replicate their success, and again, when I'm talking about I'm, t- I'm talking about the Chicago Bears are one of the best defenses we've seen in a very long time. If they can repeat this, we might be in trouble. <laughs> but I, I just, I don't see it as being sustainable. Add in the fact, and, and listen, this is, this is something else that came from this question, as I started to do a, a, I wanted to do a little series, and maybe we'll do it next week, I was supposed to do it this week, but next week maybe it'll make more sense, where I go through each of the four teams and do kind of a state of the union kind of thing, a state of the team address, not, you know, formally or anything, but just to kind of go through and, and do an, uh, an overview similar to what I did. What, what are the expectations for next year? How many of these guys are going to be expected to be good next year? What is the trajectory? What does our salary cap look like over the next few years? With the idea being, if I'm, let's just say I'm a head coach or I'm, I'm looking to be a GM and I want to jump on a team, which team, if my goal is Super Bowls, do I want to jump on? I don't have an answer to that yet because I haven't finished it, but that's what's going to be coming sometime next week. But anyways, that's about it, and if there's anything to root for this year, it's for one of these top five quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, because if this trend of elite defenses keeps going and going and going, we might have to start worrying that there's a, a dangerous trend that the Packers might not be able to to uh, emulate anytime soon. So, Bears need to get knocked out. I don't want it to be the Saints. Let, 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 the, let the Chiefs win it. Terrible defense, top-tier offense, good quarterback. Chiefs win a Super Bowl. I'll feel good about that. Anyways, you folks enjoy your Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.